Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything school HQ down there in Tequila, Georgia. My good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, is here. Matt Green. Good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is uh, it's good to be back with you. Hope you uh, you and yours had a uh, had a had a good Christmas celebration. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be back, man. It was good. It was uh, it was nice. Got down. Uh, it was a shorter trip, um, back to Atlanta for a couple of days. But it was nice. Uh, took some PTO earlier this week. I'm taking PTO on Friday. Um, and uh, you know, just kind of get through it. It's just a weird week. Um, I will say the death of bowl season has been tough during this. So I'm like watching different uh games and watching 90 fiance the other way with my wife and taking notes and reading stuff and i'm like it's just it's just sad we talked about it on last week's show but i'm like i don't i think texas a&m was down to their like four string quarterback uh in this game because their third stringer got hurt on like the first play and you're like what are we doing and then you have florida state and georgia having like 50 players in total at this point not play in the florida state georgia game well i mean that's mainly just florida state i think georgia's only got like two opt-outs it's it's basically just florida state's like 20 guys or something and on all the transfers and all that it's well i'm not i'm including uh transfers as the opt-outs like for Georgia. oh yeah yeah That's... the portal is what's gonna totally uh doom uh the playoff uh or not the playoff the bowl season if they don't do something you're just not gonna have enough guys to field a roster like yeah. especially what, what dion's doing every year signing six players and getting like 50 in the portal like I don't know. It's 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 bizarre. It is bizarre. We annoyed a lot of Florida fans, uh, Matt Green, on the YouTube page. Um, a lot of Florida fans did not like our uh, bashing of the Florida Gators uh, recruiting day on National Sign Day on our YouTube channel. Were we bashing Florida? I felt like it was it's it it's reality. Like two months ago, they were like, "Okay, Billy Napier is the next guy." Like he's leading us to the promised land. Right now, it's like might as well just fire him. Like I, I think it's 
I don't know if all Florida fans are as are that negative. You know, maybe there's still some hope. It's just two years. It wasn't necessarily a, a quick rebuild. You know, there was some infrastructure, some foundational issues that needed to be taken mm-hmm. care of at Florida. But um, I don't know. It's just hard to see the what's the term? The it's hard to see the forest through the trees. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it getting better for the Gators. But uh, sorry, sorry, not sorry. I guess that's not. A, I, I would imagine a Georgia and Tennessee fan. We might not make a lot of uh, a lot of friends down in Gainesville in Gainesville, Florida. Hey, the one thing they said, and Tennessee fans have to accept it, is, hey, Florida still owns you, even in our worst days, was a comment below. And, uh, um, it, uh, oh, yeah, Knoxville, Napier beat you this year. I mean, fair points. Like, I'm Tennessee guy. Hey, Napier's two and one against Typel. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, one and one. One right? and one, one excuse me. Yeah. Two years. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's the biggest thing they have going for them is that they somehow still have Tennessee's number, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it. Hey, maybe if you're in Gainesville, it, it might feel a little bit better. You can, you can see, Oh, you know, we got some guys, guys are transferring because you know, they're not going to have as much playing time because we have such a loaded roster. I don't know. However you uh, justify it to yourself, but um, man, early signing day just was not kind to them. And they're th- the recruiting class was just so strong for so long when you don't have, the on-field results you want, it's easy to be like, okay, he's a new guy. Look how well he's recruiting. And now that you don't have that to fall back on, it's a little hard. It's a little harder to to be positive about the Napier era. Absolutely, but we'll see what happens um, for the Florida Gators. That's a, another pod uh, on another day, Matt Green. Um, before we get into just the our college ball show here on the Chase Thomas podcast, Matt Green, what was your uh, what was your favorite gift? you received and your favorite gift that you got uh, your significant other this Christmas season. To be honest about that. Um, but yeah, we don't exchange gifts, but uh, so I don't, I didn't really get anything for Christmas. Uh my mom got me a couple uh, Georgia cups, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the standard Georgia calendar, but mm-hmm. uh, and some uh, good old cash money, you know. So, you know, I'm not a, I'm like my mom every year asks me for like a list and stuff, like, oh, what mm-hmm. do you want? I'm just like, I'm a thirty whatever year old man. I just feel weird giving my mom a list of things I want for Christmas. Like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, it's not my thing. Hold on. But, Why did you dodge but, how old you are? Why did you say 30 something? You paused. Because I honestly 30- blanked. What am I? About oh. to be 34. Um, okay. But yeah, so Tori went all out for the nieces and nephews, though, with just okay. like gifts inside of gifts, just all kinds of wrapping. It was mm. uh, not like big stuff, but just like like coconut water. Like these kids would just be like, coconut water, <laughs> like fruit strips were like wrapped up. It was like, but it would just be like little cars and just different little little things but yeah it was a lot of it was a lot of fun with, like the avocado the... kid yeah something like that it's an i don't avocado. know these kids like yeah. like uh coconut water for whatever reason and it was just huh. it's almost like a garnish in their present you know it's just kind of <laughs> like there it's like it's mm. not the present but it's like on top of the present because i guess whenever tori sees the the little nieces and nephews she always has like little fruit strips or something to give them so they're like I don't know. It's it's their thing. It's their love language. 
Um, but yeah, so it, that, that's always a lot of fun with the little uh, with the little nieces and nephews. There you go. What about oh. you, man? Um, What's your Christmas highlight? I was really happy. I got uh, two big winners that Sam was a big uh, big fan about. So I got her a um, I adopted a river otter in on her behalf um, through the WWF. So um, they sent this whole care package and where it is and um, just the uh, the whole they sent like a stuff like a little stuffed animal uh, river otter, but it's not actual like stuffed animal, but like you know the the little little things little fur babies and uh where is this river otter we don't like it's in the it's in the whole pamphlet so they send a whole pamphlet it's really awesome like the wdf does a great job so they sent this whole thing um but i got it in her name and all that and it's like you're an official um donor and all that kind of stuff and helping out uh the river otters so that was a big hit and um yeah because we have a lot of river otters up here on the tennessee river and here in tennessee we've seen seen them was the knoxville it's the knoxville a, t- a tennessee river otter is that that'd be cool is, if we saw them like i, I want to believe well i want to tell like i want to believe the one that we saw is the one that we're sponsoring and keeping keeping going because uh we're big river otter fans and really just big animal fans um as you and tori can relate with zeus and uh, big Matt, animal but, guy yeah big animal guy and then i got a uh, speaking of the animal stuff i got uh samantha also a um house like for the front porch uh kind of for feral cats um to go into when it's cold um so a little little like it's not like an igloo but like a little little house they can go into uh when it's cold outside and, and get warm and put some stuff uh put some blankets in there and got that in there so it's a little ikea build for the front porch so for the feral cats in the neighborhood and rabbits can also go in there in the summer to stay away from the hawks which is going to be a big hit so you know, I had some pretty good ones. There's there's some big winners. To uh to each their own, sir. I'll uh <laughs> I'm not trying to have a bunch of cats uh, around my house, but uh mm-hmm. but, hey, whatever whatever floats your boat. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um Matt Green. Uh, well, before we get into uh, what we're going to end up talking about here on this edition of the program, Matt Green, don't forget, folks, you can check us out on YouTube as we talked about at the top of this show, youtube.com slash Chase Podcast. Like and subscribe today. Well over 1.6 thousand subs on the YouTube page. Been a really, really big week on that front. So I appreciate you guys uh, watching uh, on that. And if you're watching that right now on this YouTube page first, thank you. And make sure you're subscribed. New podcasts going up on this channel each and every day but it's also apple podcast spotify regular your podcast make sure if you are a frequent listener of this show and you like it and you've not already done so make sure you leave the show a five-star rating and write us a review on apple podcast or spotify if that is indeed how you are listening you can also email us with any college football questions over at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com check out the homepage. all kinds of great content and links uh, and all the good information about this very show at chasethomaspodcast.com. Check that out today. Matt Green, great news. Great news, Matt Green. It's Nico time in Tennessee, officially. Talking about bowl stuff. What if he gets hurt? What are they going to do? I mean, you're going true freshman, or I guess you'd probably go in the portal at that point. Then you really will get a portal quarterback um, if that were to happen um, going into – next year uh matt green but look uh it's it's time it was the worst kept secret in knox for the last uh week or so but it's official and it's exciting i do think 
they kind of missed the boat here in terms of getting like a crazy vol caravan to the Citrus Bowl because if you announce this, like Joe announces he's opting out and preparing for the NFL draft, like a, even like two weeks ago, that gives Tennessee fans a lot of Tennessee fans who are on the fence about going down to to Orlando to watch Nico's first start. They're all going because the hype here is the most hyped quarterback since Peyton Manning here. And I mean, there's only been four other three other quarterbacks ever in Tennessee history to start bowl games as true freshmen. And do you know who those three are? I'll give you a hint, Matt Green. They are all over the last 30 years. True. Three true freshmen to start a bowl game for Tennessee before uh, Nico. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably uh, Peyton Manning. That's one. Uh, Probably Eric Ainge. That is wrong. Is he a redshirt freshman? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Clawson. Casey Clawson. Casey. I guess I got to specify Casey. I wouldn't. Mm. That is what I meant. Tyler Bray. Tyler Bray. That's the last one. And one more. I thought you said three and then Nico. Or four and then Nico. Excuse me. Four and then Nico. Wait, Quarantano. Nope. Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Ah, okay. There we go. Mm-hmm. Got, did pretty well on that. Um, is that what the story they're te- they're going with? Joe Milton opted out is, to prepare for the draft. Yeah, I mean he's still playing. Like he's still. I mean, well, he's gonna- well, why would he opt out of this bowl game? I think Joe Milton needs one more good game on tape. Like. They benched Joe Milton, then went with Nico. That's that's what really happened. No, I mean Joe's that like he played his best game his last game against Vanderbilt. Like that was the best Joe Milton's ever played. Like he was not going to top that. Um, he like there's no point in him <laughs> playing at this point. Like a bunch of guys are opting out. Jabari Small, Jalen Wright won't be playing, so your top two running backs are out. Um, the offensive line's banged up, but Cooper and some company are going to play. But ultimately, I just don't think bowl season has that when you're not in a playoff. Like Joe would play if it was a playoff game but it's not. So I think a lot of guys just look at it as like, Hey, I'm going to get ready for the draft. I don't want to get hurt. Like Joe, uh, a big part of the draft process for him is going to be his measurables and being able to do stuff. Cause I mean, Hendon wasn't able to do stuff uh, this past year and he and Hendon were close and Hendon tearing his ACL in the South Carolina game kind of messed some stuff up for him uh, going into uh, NFL draft time and not being able to do a lot of the stuff that maybe, maybe he'll are. throw it. Maybe he'll throw it through the roof of the indoor practice facility and that'll, that'll go viral. Well, look, man, I just, Hey, Joe, great dude, great teammate. It was a tough year. It's tough for a lot of reasons. It wasn't just Joe. There were issues all across the board with this offense. But, look, he stuck it through. He's the guy who stayed. Good teammate. Was there for Nico. He's been helping out this year, reportedly, or this week, um, getting Nico ready to start this bowl game against Iowa. A great Iowa defense. So it's not like this is going to be an easy opener here for Nico. It's going to be a feisty defense. It's going to get after him. Um with Parker's group on uh, on that side of the ball for the Hawkeyes. So I'm very curious to see how Nico does. But either way, like it makes the bowl game in Monday afternoon ten times more interesting because not it's nothing no offense against Joe, but like this is game one. Like this is huge. Like this is a good defense, a good team uh overall. And we're gonna see how Nico performs with a lot of guys who he will be back next year. A lot of the offensive line's back. The whole offensive line basically is back going into next year a lot of these receivers will be back next year um his two lead backs in this game will be his two lead backs next year and cam selden and dylan sampson um so there's going to be a lot to gleam uh from this game so uh 
I I'm I'm ten times more interested in how this game unfolds and how Tennessee looks. Like we'll see if this offense pops. Then it was like heck, it was a little bit more Joe than uh, we let on uh, as to why this offense really fell off in terms of just offensive uh, production, scoring points, and that sort of thing over the course of the year. Or if Nico struggles or the offense kind of sputters a little bit, then it's like hey, maybe it wasn't just a Joe thing. Maybe there are. Um, a lot of issues uh with and i think that's like at. what bowl i feel like that's what bowl games like would you have to be most excited about mm-hmm. it's like a showcase for the next season it's almost yes. like a it's almost like a glorified spring game that yes. like okay this will give us an idea of a little something we have next year and it's like that's that's better than nothing but you know we're just there, there was a time where this was a a nice like you know cigar uh for your for your overall season and you get like a 10, 11 win season, you win a new year's six bowl, you know, that's mm-hmm. a, that's an accomplishment. And now, you know, it's yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what this team is next year. Yeah. But it's something that gets you psyched, right? Like if it looks really good and Nico balls out, then you're like, Oh, we're all pumped. And you're going into next year with all kinds of momentum. You're feeling good about the quarterback spot. You're feeling good about where the offense is going to be. It might help a spring portal and recruiting. Uh, if Nico is able to flash here uh, in this game for guys who are maybe like Evan Stewart, he's out there in the portal. If Evan Stewart sees Nico ball out um, with his Tennessee ties, does that make him look at Tennessee a little bit harder? So there's other areas that there's other things at, at play here, depending on how Nico performs. No, that's true. And, and every bowl game is different. Like, I mean, you can take something like just there's so much context with every game. Like if Georgia mm-hmm. goes out and beats Florida State by four touchdowns, absolutely nothing will be learned from that. Mm-hmm. But if Florida State goes out there and, and takes Georgia to overtime with none of their starters, it's like, OK, this was something like for Florida mm-hmm. State, you know, so it's like a couple years ago when Georgia lost to to Texas in the sugar bowl with a few opt outs, it's like, you hate to lose to anybody, but you know, the game really, you know, are, is the team is up for that game as they are for the previous game. There's guys that are opted out, but, but then the following year when you beat Baylor with about 12 opt outs, it was like, okay, well this actually was a game we got excited about because we won kind of shorthanded. So, you know, it kind of depends on the context of the game, but, but yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see, to, to finally take that shiny new toy off the shelf and, and they'll play with it in a real game. No, I don't disagree, sir. On the flip side though, your team uh, got a big commitment, the number one running back in the portal and Trevor Etienne. Uh, what does Trevor Etienne going to Georgia mean for the Georgia Bulldogs running back room in 2024, Matt Green? Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. You look at Georgia's roster now. I mean, on, on the offensive side, you got a you got a Missouri transfer at wide receiver. They they brought in London Humphreys from Vanderbilt. Like you got a just brought in a South Carolina defensive lineman. Now you're bringing in a Florida running back on top of a Miami wide receiver too, and a Mississippi State wide receiver from the year from a year ago. So Georgia's really just going all over the SEC to fill their skill positions. Um, and, and, and Trevor Etienne, I don't think he's a superstar by any means. I was a little surprised that you said he's number one, uh, running back in the portal. I would, I would rather, I think Raheem Sanders is probably better mm. if we're, if we're splitting hairs, but, but Trevor Etienne, I think just, he's a dynamic player and, and Georgia as, as good, well as they were recruited and everything. And, you know, they have good players. It, it feels like, 
uh, the past two seasons. Like Kenny McIntosh was a stud. So mm. outside of like J- James Cook and and Zamir White, like they weren't Sony Michelle and De- and um, Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swift or anything. But those were two good players, like very good players that were drafted, you know, second, fourth round in the NFL. This this 2023 team just didn't have that in the backfield. Dejon Edwards is a good player. He just doesn't have that top-end speed. Kendall Milton seems to have all the talent in the world, but he just can't stay healthy, and that at some point, that's that's all that matters. So there's just there was something lacking. Branson Robinson showed a little bit, and obviously he missed the whole season. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if ETN comes in and has roughly the same numbers he did at Florida and kind of splits carries. He's not like a clear number one guy at Georgia just because the way they kind of tend to spread the wealth. And I think Georgia has recruited really well. And they br- br- they'll bring in three true freshmen in this class, including uh, Nate Frazier, who I think is the number one running back, according to some. So uh, Georgia's running back depth is definitely going to be – or running back just group I think is going to be deeper next year. And ETN is definitely the most proven, I think, of the bunch. It's interesting because it's just a different era, right? Like, Georgia's got a really just versatile room. Like, how would you view next year? Like, if you had to guess what the rotation looks like, I obviously will see. But, I mean, they're pretty much done in terms of portaling and recruiting on the running back side. So, what would you estimate is going to be the, the running back room? And also, what would you prefer? Uh, it to look like going well I, do we know if Dejon Edwards is back I think he's got eligibility but it's almost it can almost be like an Elijah Holyfield situation hmm. like just this is probably the best season you're gonna have like yeah. uh just based on the circumstances but he just doesn't seem like a, a top in like an NFL running back or anything but he was a good player so you know you're gonna lose Milton I think you're gonna lose Edwards ETN I think has to be I think he's the most proven running back in that group and then, like I said, with Branson Robinson, he's probably second, you know, but obviously he's he's got to come back. It was an ACL, right, that he tore. Um, so, you know, he's got to come back from that. And then Roderick Robinson, pretty unproven as a true freshman. Andrew Paul, another one who got hurt as a freshman in 2022 and came back in this year and, you know, he barely played. So there's a lot of unproven guys in, uh, in, in Georgia's backfield. I mean, that's why Dylan Bell came in and, Honestly, it was one of the more impressive running backs. Cash Jones, you got to throw out there the the walk on, um, but but yeah, I think the three true freshmen. I think I think any of those guys, if if they're a, a real playmaker, um, I think they could definitely get ticks next year because it's a pretty unproven backfield. But but I think Etn, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to carry the load, but he's he's definitely the most proven coming in. Yeah, and it's also we just don't really know. Like this, it's interesting, like how the Georgia just running back room has shifted and just how we view them. Like they're just, it's going to be a multitude of guys. Like it's just not going to be a lead back and just this power run through. They're not going to be run first offense. Like they, you look at where they're looking in the portal, right? Like you mentioned, they get the Miami kid. They bring in Dominic Lovick last year. Um, You bring in Rara Thomas last year. I mean, you're going to be very portal heavy in your skill position guys. You obviously target the tight ends a bunch. So it'll be Lawson and Delp a lot in the tight end spots. And you see early pictures of Jaden Riddell and he's gigantic. So uh, I wouldn't doubt on him finding his way into the field sooner rather than later in Georgia. But um, it's just they're a pass first team now, but they also are going to be uh loaded in the backfield with options with Frazier with ETN with 
Um, even Dylan Bell, um, who can go back there uh, if he wants to. There's there's options. But like you said, Dejan Edwards, I just don't see him having a better year than what he just had at Georgia if he comes back for another year. I think this running back room is going to be really crowded for him to stay stay in front, especially with Robinson, too, coming back from injury. For sure. And I feel like there's this one like <clears throat> one section of Georgia fans that are like obsessed with tight ends that have just mm. always been like, get the tight end the ball. That's what we need to do. We got just good tight end. It's like very rarely is a tight end the best playmaker on your team. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't care about the tight end. Get it to those dynamic receivers. For the last three years, Georgia's best playmaker has been a tight end. And that's mm-hmm. that's why they that's why they fed the tight end. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how they use their weapons next year because Brock Bowers is doing a lot of slot receiver stuff. He was doing a lot of running back stuff. So they're going to have some of these guys step into his role. And I mean, we know how Georgia recruits. They got they get some big time players. So I'm uh, I think they'll have I don't know who the guys are going to be necessarily. It's it's a lot of un- like Rosemary Jack Saint is a uh, is going to be gone. So he he was one of the leading receivers. McConkey possibly could be back. He could be gone. So. That man, they just need to send him on. Like, sir, you're not going to be able to walk by the time you get the NFL if you come back for another year, sir. Like, you've been banged up the last two years going into the end of the year. You gotta. It's time to move on, lad. I you exaggerate how much he's been hurt. He literally he I didn't miss like any games in 2022. Well, hold like, on. I'm not saying I'm. Was- I'm not saying he was hurt the whole time. I'm saying the last two years he has finished hobbled and broken at the University of Georgia. I would say Georgia. this year, this year he was he was hurt coming into the season and he was kind of hobbled most of, a lot of the year. But so I would I would argue his his stock is not as high as it was coming into the 2023 mm. as it is coming out of 2023. So you know he he could easily come back and with Carson Beck with the rapport he's got with a returning starting quarterback and easily have a better season. Brock Bowers is gone. Like there's a lot of touches uh, to go around with, with a guy like Bowers being gone. So, you know, I, I wouldn't guarantee that McConkey is gone. So hmm. and with how many years some of these guys are playing, I think the guy's still, I think he's still got uh, something left, but obviously, you know, I think he would be drafted if he goes pro. So, you know, we'll, we'll oh, see. Oh yeah. I've seen lad in the first round by some mocks. Like lads, a type of receiver no. who should Lad's not go to the first round. What? Lad's a kind of rec- like he's like one of those dudes who, if he's healthy, like he's gonna produce at the NFL level. Like if Lad he goes McConkey. to the combine and runs like a four three flat or or something, then yeah, maybe he goes in like the second round. But I think he's a good piece, but he doesn't seem like a guy that's better than like a third or like third fourth round at best. I mean, second round would not surprise me with Lad McConkey at all. Hey, I love it. I, I I love Lad McConkey. So December 9th. I'm looking I'm, at this I'm right now. He's it. predicted to go 56th overall. Hey, I'm here for it. I, I he he deserves it. But I don't know. So he could be gone, and so Georgia could be replacing uh, Bowers and McConkey next year. So, but the whole point is like was, this is why you brought in Dominic Lovett. This is why you paid to bring in Lovett. Like he should fill that spot. Like that's it's. I feel like Don Draper with Mad Men. That's what the money is for. Like Dominic Lovett should step up and be that guy, and you shouldn't miss a beat. What are you talking about? He's trying to eat. We're, we're paying Dominic Lovett to get him to, to come to Georgia. Is that what's well, no, what on? I'm saying is like, that's how portaling is like portals. That's what it is. Like a lot of it is just, and I, there's I think a, a lot, lot of it's more. transferring to a better situation and, and getting better playing time and getting with a better, better ticks, more touches, whatever the case may be. Like, I don't, I think Georgia's just better than Missouri. And if Georgia wants you, you'll, you'll bounce on Missouri. I don't know. Missouri's pretty feisty this year Matt Green I mean, I mean he Georgia made the wrong choice in Missouri like 
Well, no, he had a worse season. Like, Don McLovitt made a bad decision going to Georgia. Like, as of right now, Don McLovitt made a bad career choice because he was a much better player. He led the SEC the year prior at Mizzou. Luther Burden obviously just had a great year at Mizzou. Cody Schrader had a great year. He didn't have as good as stats, but that's debatable that he made a bad career choice. Well, I mean, he had a worse year. Like, he was featured significantly less. I mean, he, he should have stayed at Mizzou. Team with better players. Yeah, Luther that's why Burton you... Is, but the, that's why you stay. Better than him. Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, I, that was one where I was like, what was wrong with your situation? You're featured. You get Luther Burden with you. Y'all are both going to put up great numbers, and you're going to go in the NFL. Like, what do you... I never understood that one. I mean, one. George that, is better. He can play at Georgia. Receivers don't play well. Like, those big-time receivers just don't... They're just not... But that, that's, what I, that's what you're not... I'm not... You're losing me. They, they don't, they don't, it's not like they don't play well. They don't put up huge numbers, but yeah. like... They had a tight end that was putting up huge But that's numbers. my point. He, he knew Brock Bowers was there. He knew the offense, and he still made the job. I'm saying it was a bad career move for him to go from Mizzou to Georgia. And as of right now, it's been a huge miss for him. Not for Georgia, because Georgia it was a great team and was one of the best teams in college football all year. But Dominic, Dominic Lovett specifically was an L. Rara Thomas, I think, was a win. I think that was a better career move for him. And I think he'll I mean, but he had way years. worse stats than he did the year before at Mississippi State. Rara's going to start though next year, and I mean he's going to. He, I mean, love I, it. Will he'll play just as much as Rara Thomas, if not more. I don't know. Who would you bet on to have a better year? I bet on Rara over Love it next year. I mean, Love it had a significantly better year this year. I mean, I think he was second among the receivers in in yards this year. Did it feel like it, Matt Green? I mean, part of it though is everyone doesn't count Brock Bowers as a receiver, so it's like it's weird having these conversations with people like social media, like. Like people cherry picking like Georgia's wide receiver production. It's like, yeah, but but they had a tight end that had like double digit touchdowns, like 800 yards or something. You know what I mean? And he mm-hmm. missed multiple games. So I don't know. I think Georgia, obviously, his stats were going to get worse at, at Georgia. But I think I think that's kind of part of the Georgia thing. You kind of buy into the the team and maybe you don't get the stats, but you're getting developed and, and all of that. So, I mean, you know. They they preach the whole team thing, you know. Your your stats are going to take a hit. It's just not really George's thing. But but yeah, I mean, it's hard to say he's, he's taking an L. Like I mean, yeah. one catch nine yards against Tennessee, two catches twenty three yards against Alabama, four catches thirty three yards against Mizzou. He did have a TD there. Um, I don't know. It was okay. Better year though, significantly. Almost he almost doubled his yardage the year prior and averaged fifteen yards a catch at uh, Mizzou. I don't know. We'll see how he does next year. But yeah, I mean, as it definitely of right now, wasn't as good of a it, it definitely not as good as stats for sure. Um, Matt Green, the college football or before we get into the college football playoff, the top ten, the Matt Green power poll. We were we were uh, thinking about different things we were going to do this offseason um, as we uh, gear up for, power poll. Yeah, the Matt Green power poll here. The best. 10 yeah, teams Matt power poll. The Matt Green power poll. The best teams this year were who? I'm curious from Matt Green, the college football analyst, the best 10 teams for you in the Matt Green power poll this year, Matt Green. 10 through 1. How do you do it? I feel like uh, people overthink uh, these power ranks. Kings here. I'm just going. Uh, you're gonna. You're not gonna like this. 
Mm. I'm not going to overthink this. You know, it's going to look very similar to the current rankings, but that's this is what the rankings should look like. The current rankings, you may start. Did I lose you? No, I'm listening. You may start at one or start at 10. Start at 10. We're going 10 to one. All right, let's start at 10. At number 10, we got Ole Miss. Just missing the top 10 we get is Penn State. You look at Ole Miss and Penn State, two teams, both went 10 and 2. One loss to Georgia and Alabama, one loss to Alabama, uh, Michigan and Ohio State. Very similar there. But after that, Penn State just doesn't have a key win. It's like mm. Iowa. I guess that's the best team they beat. Ole Miss at least has the wins over Tulane and beat LSU. So we got Ole Miss at 10. At number nine, we got Missouri. At number eight, we got the Oregon Ducks. Number seven, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Number six, the George Bulldogs. Number five, Alabama Crimson Tide. Number four, Texas Longhorns. Number three, Florida State. Two, Washington. One, Michigan. That's how the rankings should be. That's just... We Hmm. can talk all day about point spreads and whatever they would be on a neutral field and what Vegas says, but we know how the sports rankings work, and that's what the rankings should say. Like, do I think Georgia could beat every team ranked one through five? Absolutely. But they lost to Alabama, and Alabama lost to Texas, and the other teams are all undefeated. That's how the rankings work. Okay. You're by the book. You're by the book, Matt Green. You're throw you're not throwing out the what ifs. Like you're the games on the field matter to Matt Green in the power pole here. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's 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 like this isn't the NFL. Like, we're not trying to like the do power rankings and like, you know, what whatever. It's like we know how co- like college football rankings could be flawed, but it's like there are there are flaws like this is this is my sport this is how it's always mm. been flawed and this is how we're gonna continue to do it like yeah everyone doesn't play the same schedule like alabama with one loss like they be could they be undefeated if they had washington schedule absolutely but that's just this is how the sport has always worked and uh yeah don't overthink it i think georgia you know they're as good as anybody but you know with how the with how the games played out i got them at six I think they're the best. Okay. Oh, I guess not best one lost. Uh, best best one lost non conference champion this year. There you go, Matt Green. I like it. Um, the college football playoffs are finally here, and I just got to tell you, Matt Green, too much of a layoff. This is part of how you maybe fix bowl season, the transfer portal, and what the playoff is. Let's move these games back. Like, let's move a lot of this. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Back, you lose a lot of momentum. They don't need a month off here. Like, let's just keep it moving. Like, I would, part of what I would do at the playoff is I would, um, conference title game seem to go they don't do this in high school like high school football you finish your region they declare a region champ and you go straight to the playoffs you keep it moving like, i think that's what we need to do with these gigantic conferences the nfl does not do a, a divisional championship game to set up the nfl playoffs like i think SEC we need championships to get, like the best game of the season like every year gotta get rid oh. of it nope gotta get rid of it and that's what i'm doing immediately because you need these games to get started man like you need the portal Maybe the two weeks after, or I, I don't know. That's another conversation for that day. Have how you seen they, they just released the schedule for the CFP in 2024 and 25? The, the first game is like December 20th. I oh. think the, the, the semifinals were like January 8th and January 9th with the championship game on January 20th. Like, it's absurd what they're doing. They like, there's literally going to be players opting out of the national championship game well like, the portal closes weeks prior to that oh, i don't even know but they're gonna but, people are gonna opt out of the playoff like we're going to yes. see like a bunch of that and that's just that sucks so much for this sport i mean what's gonna happen is we're gonna have a team a player play one round and then have to opt out for the second or third because he has to enter the portal before it like that's gonna happen there's gonna be some guys who have to who play in one game and then opt out like Lane Kiffin was right on the money where he's like, who, like it's a, like throwing NFL free agency in the middle of the NFL playoffs. Like that's just, <laughs> what are we doing? Like the, no other sport operates this way. The calendar is completely screwed. I just, I, I it's going to be such a cluster F and we all know. I it. feel like we were the first people to talk about the calendar being messed yeah. up. I'll be honest. Like I, everyone talks about it now, but I don't want to toot our own horn too much. But I feel like we were the first ones to bring this up. But we've yeah, been talking about it for just, years on this program, Matt. We Green. really have, and it's just it's it's terrible what they're doing, and it just it, it feels like it gets worse every year. They they had to start the playoff early if they're gonna do it that way. But yeah, ending this like I was talking about pushing the school year back or something so we could get it all, all in. They're talking about doing the national championship on January twentieth. Like it's just crazy that it is grinds my gears green. grinds both of our gears let's talk um, about the current playoff the current playoff which will not grind my gears it's gonna be a fun day like i already told my wife i'll see you the, the day after because tennessee plays iowa at one and then we got the two playoff games right after so monday is gonna be all college football all day long it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun day i'm gonna be pretty cozy pretty uh pretty comfortable uh throughout that monday afternoon matt green but into the evening Sir, I think we start with, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Texas at Washington or Alabama, Michigan? Who do you want to talk about first here? Um, let's go, let's go Texas, Washington. Okay. Even though I think that's the second game. Should we go chronologically? Isn't it kind of weird that we're doing that as the second game? Because I think they're well. I don't know. This is a good question because I think Texas Washington's gonna have a lot more juice than Alabama Michigan. That's my hunch going into 
the two playoff games. I think Washington, Texas is going to be a thriller. I think it's going to come down to the final play. I think it's actually going to be an absolute juggernaut slugfest. I think Alabama, Michigan is going to be really ugly on both sides. I don't think it's going to be pleasant. I think both teams are going to look bad. And it's going to be one of those where it's like, oh, one of these teams might win the national title and you still just don't feel great about them at all. Like we haven't felt great about Michigan all year long and we haven't felt great about Alabama's real best team in the country all year long. And I just think both of them are going to be in this gross slugfest. And then we're going to look over at Texas, Washington and both teams putting on a clinic and just a really fun football game back and forth, big play after big play. And um, I don't know, that's my gut and how these two games will go. But Matt Green, my question to you, why Texas will win and then follow that up with why Washington will win this matchup. Let's play both sides here. Let's play both sides. Well, I can't believe nobody I've heard nobody talk about the fact that this is a rematch of the 2022 Valero (laughs) Alamo Bowl Mm -hmm. that Washington pulled out 27 to 20 just a year ago. Mm -hmm. So they're not the same teams they were a year ago, but it is interesting that we did see these two teams play last year. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very interesting how how they're both uh, kind of set up because Texas is really built very similarly to Oregon. Like that's one of the biggest things that I kind of like. I want to pick Texas in this matchup, but it's like seeing how similar they are to Oregon and Washington beat this Oregon team twice. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like almost, almost identical in total defense um and and scoring defense and they both we know how how dangerous they both are offensively i think texas just has so many skill players you you look at washington um dylan johnson is like eight seventy percent of their rushing offense i believe like they don't have another guy with 200 yards rushing on the season since um oh man i'm blanking on texas running back jonathan brooks got hurt Mm -hmm. They've had three different guys lead them in rushing in all three games. So they just have so many guys as well as their, their playmakers out, uh, out wide. Like I know Washington has great playmakers, but I feel like I just, I feel like I trust Texas's playmakers more. Like, I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth. What, what, what do you think? What is the biggest advantage you think Texas has? I think the biggest advantage that Texas has right now is the talent differential. Like I think they're deeper um, than Washington. I think Washington's very top heavy. I think Washington has a lot of top end talent at receiver at offensive line, um, even at quarterback. But I think Texas has bodies. Texas has guys. If things get banged up, they're going to be able to throw a multitude of dudes and be able to rotate and be able to wear down um, this Washington offensive line to a point that we haven't seen them uh, get worn down. But Washington's offensive line just won the best offensive line in the country award. Like I'm very fascinated to see how that group matches up with the best defensive front they've played this year. Oregon's good, but Texas has Joe aged. Moore award winning O line hasn't hasn't ha- fared well the last couple playoffs. No, and I think they're not going to have the same. Like they played well as a unit. I think Texas has a very strong chance of winning in the trenches here. So I think that's something that's in. Uh, it's a big part of uh, what Texas is going to try and do here, but. Texas is 94th in passing defense this year, Matt Green. Um, Michael Penix in four games uh, against ranked teams, he has eight passing touchdowns. Um, I think something that's going to be very important in this game, and we're going to find out pretty early if, to, if Washington's going to be able to pull this off, is 
Michael Penix is, has 18 TDs, five picks. I was going through all the different Michael Penix and Washington offensive stats and yards and downs and different things like that. They're really good and explosive on first down. They're a good first down team. They take deep shots. They, they're going for the jugular often. And when Penix is able to do that, um, they're just really, really elite early. You want to get a, you want a, uh, a crazy stat for you that I found, Matt Green, going through the numbers? Yeah. Washington has not trailed by eight plus points in any game this year. That's impressive. Not like they haven't really been faced with adversary adversity to this point. Like they have been in tight games. We talked well, about all these it. games have been tight though. Yeah. They've been at some, some, some barn burners, but they've never had to come back from a big deficit. They've never been like punched in the mouth down two scores, anything like that. We haven't seen what they do. So I'm very curious what that looks like. If Texas is up 17 to seven in the second quarter or something, and things go awry a little bit early for Washington and on a neutral side here. But I mean, against Oregon, well, they beat Oregon twice. That. Yeah. Hold on. It's funny. You mentioned that because so last four games, Washington's won four straight games by seven points or less. Last mm. three games have been by three points or less. Hmm. Texas in Texas's last seven, they have three games that have been decided by one that have been decided by one score. All three of those games, they had a twenty point lead at one point. Huh. So their only close games, they pretty much blew big leads in all of mm-hmm. them. So and two and one of those was with Malik Murphy starting. But I don't know. It's so like if they get it big up big on Washington, like Washington easily has the firepower to get yeah. right back in it if, if Texas is going to be blowing leads. So. That's another interesting dynamic with these two teams. They're just so evenly matched. They are. I will say, too. I think Sark's a better recruiter. I think Sark's a good coach. I think he's kind of underrated now by some folks. But I do think Kalen DeBoer is a better coach. I think Kalen DeBoer, I think Washington has the coaching advantage in this game, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think Washington's receivers are going to cook Texas's corners in this game i think washington's going to be able to score on texas i think texas is going to have a tough time dealing with the perimeter guys uh just a lot of nfl town on the outside for for uw here um six red zone trips four tds two tight field goals against oregon in the pac-12 title game they're elite in the red zone they finish drives they don't make a lot of mistakes like we talked about they don't get down they don't put themselves in bad holes early they haven't had to come from behind because they've been a great team all year long I don't think Washington is winning the national title, Matt Green. But I talked about it. I've been high on Texas this whole year. I've been high on this group. <sighs> Matt Green, I don't think Texas is beating Washington. I think this is going to come down to the final drive. Quinn Ewers having to do something to try and win this game for Texas late. And maybe he just doesn't pull it off. But right now, I think this is going to be the game of the day between the two. I think this will be a much more entertaining game. I think this will be a much more high-scoring explosion, just huge chunk play city uh, action in this one. But I think <laughs> Washington City action. chunk play city. I just don't think Texas is going to win. The more I've thought about it, the more time I've had to chew on this, I think this is a bad matchup for Texas. I think Texas' secondary is going to get cooked. I think Michael Penix will have some time here uh, to dice this Texas defense up. And I don't think Texas's offense is going to be able to keep pace. So ultimately, give me Washington 38, Texas 34 in this one. I think Washington ultimately 
keeps their undefeated streak alive, survives Texas in this one, uh, and they play for a national title. Now, that being said, I don't think they're going to win the national title, so I think whoever wins Michigan-Alabama is winning the national title. That's what I can't shake uh, over the last week or so. Matt Green diving more and more into the numbers and just where I'm where I'm at uh, with both with all four of these teams. But uh, what say you? Are you with me on Washington ultimately surviving here and getting the victory, or are you going Texas? I uh, I agree with one part that you said that I feel like this isn't the best matchup for Texas. I I feel like I feel like Texas gives Michigan or Alabama a lot more problems because of mm. their ability to kind of not have as good of a defense as those two teams, but be comparable and just be so much more explosive offensively. Washington, they're just kind of built in a very similar way. And I, I honestly, I do, part of me wants to pick Washington. I, I, I feel like they're being kind of slept on. Texas is only a four-point favorite. It's not like they're they're a huge uh, lopsided favor or anything. It feels like the public is definitely feeling Texas. But I think I'm going to have to agree. I think uh, with the public, I'm going Texas to win this game just because, mm. man, I just they just have so many weapons. These these guys, and I know Washington's weapons are good too, but but Texas, their ability to stay balanced, I think goes a long way. If, if Washington is able to do what they did against Oregon, where they just basically kept their offense off the field for the first two quarters of the game and then kind of run some clock the – the way they were able to and play keep away that's that's going to be the same strategy they'll have to take to beat texas but this offense as good as oregon's offense was this year i feel like a lot of it was inflated against you know some of those terrible teams they dropped 70 on and things like that they were a really good team but quinn ewers is just a a so much better thrower of the football than bo nix in my opinion just downfield these two receivers uh that that texas has just on the outside like we know about ad mitchell in in college football playoff games he's four and oh and he's caught a touchdown in every single one of them i'm gonna go texas by almost the exact same score i'm going texas 37 washington 33 and it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing uh game for sure all right well we disagree here i didn't think we would disagree right out of the gate here now i'm curious if we disagree on both college football playoff matchups here um matt green why alabama will beat michigan in this heavyweight fight between uh two of the nation's best two of the deepest teams in the country two of the stingiest teams in the country two of the best coaches in the country um what say you why will michigan win this game and why will alabama ultimately win this game to start out so before i get into this game i want to throw some stats out at you SEC is four and one versus the Big Ten in the college mm. football playoff um, to this point in the fourth team playoff era. This is the fourth time now that uh, Michigan and Alabama have played in a bowl game. However, all four of those matchups were in the state of Florida, so we're we're seeing uh, the Rose Bowl. That's more Big Ten country, even though mm-hmm. it's I guess now it technically is with UCLA being in the Big Ten. But we'll see that Michigan Michigan loves the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I look at this matchup and I feel like Michigan played like a three game season. Like maybe you throw in Maryland and it was like a four game season, but 
it feels like an, until whatever the year that we they played Penn State what was it, like November 10th or something. It feels mm-hmm. like that's when their season started. And during those th- uh, three games, I'm, I didn't add the Maryland game in there versus Ohio State, Michigan, and um, or Ohio, Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa. Michigan averaged 3.8 yards per carry in those three games. I think Alabama has a better run defense than any of those teams. Like statistically, they might not, but whatever, Big Ten, all those teams have like the same defense. It's crazy. But Alabama is just so physical on the defensive line. Like I just, I don't see Michigan having success consistently running on Alabama in this game at all. And if it comes down to JJ McCarthy, like literally what I said Penn State had to do, what I said Ohio State had to do, make JJ McCarthy win the game. Neither one of those teams made JJ McCarthy win the game, and Michigan was able to win. I think if I think Alabama, I think there's no way that they can win versus Alabama without JJ McCarthy like having to be the one that makes some plays. And and personally, I don't think JJ McCarthy can make those plays. Um, but I mean, just I don't see JJ McCarthy going seven for eleven for sixty-five yards and then beating Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I just I don't think that's possible. So I think. He, they're going to have to get something out of their passing game. And with what this Alabama secondary has been as of late, like, I don't know. You just have to go back. Like Alabama, it's hard to judge because if we're judging their body of work, like they've had a lot of unimpressive performances. Like, I mean, they're a fourth and 31 away from not even mm-hmm. being in this game. So you you look at them and Auburn was able to run for 200 yards on them. And it's like, yeah, do we just kind of throw that out? Like, as yeah, the Iron Bowl. It's crazy that's definitely our sec bias coming in, but I just have to go back to what they did against Georgia. The most recently on a neutral site. And that was one of the best offenses in college football this year. And they were only able to get 24 points. One of those touchdowns being scored three, what three, four minutes left in the game. So mm-hmm. if Georgia's only able to score 24 points on, on Alabama, I just, I don't know how Michigan can possibly break, uh, break the 20 point mark. No, and those are all great points, and I think it is really hard to see Michigan winning this game if J.J. McCarthy does not outplay Jalen Miller. Um, Jalen Miller, I think what's funny, too, is like I still just don't feel great about this team, and either team, really, and I wrote down, like, why doesn't Michigan feel better than they were a year ago? Like, it's not like a whole lot's changed. Blake Corum's healthy now like they lost Blake Corum last year and you still felt like better the about the game the run you game just is not I feel like it's the run game it's just not mm. as dominant like what did what did uh Corum have like a year ago like 1800 yards and like 20 something mm. touchdowns and Donovan Edwards was also like flirting with like a thousand yards like it was an yeah. insane rushing attack a year ago and this year it's just been fine it feels like they've been you know kind of on on autopilot half the season. So you don't really know, like they're probably going to pull out some wrinkles in some game, like that we they haven't really had to use because they, like we said, they played like a three game season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, they played a two game season because Iowa, they scored 10 points in the first quarter, but against Iowa and probably wrapped it up right there. It's like, okay, yeah. we scored enough to win this game. So you, you probably can't even learn that much from that game. So I think Michigan has to be saving something uh, for this Alabama game. So, I mean, we, I might be we might be sleeping on them because they we haven't seen what this offense is truly capable of yet. I mean, Blake Corum had another thousand yard rushing year, twenty four touchdowns, and it just didn't feel like it, like at all. It, it's so weird. And then um, 
Bill Connolly. Well, what, like 18 of them were like two-yard touchdowns. Yeah. Just, I mean, either way, it just doesn't feel like Blake Quorum had a dominant year like he did a year ago no. where he was a Heisman frontrunner for most of the year. And Michigan's not like they fell off and they're a worst. It's just really weird how I feel about Michigan compared to a year ago and the narrative surrounding Michigan. But according to uh, – I saw uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN, his S&P Plus. Did you see this? They give uh, His model gives Michigan a 69% chance to beat Alabama on Monday uh night so i i think it's interesting the numbers like michigan but it also speaks to alabama is not the alabama of old it doesn't matter that they beat georgia and it kind of speaks to what you're saying they have beaten georgia and auburn by a combined six points in their last two games like you said they needed an absolute prayer and meltdown from auburn late uh inside jordan Hare to even get in this spot to begin with um who knows how the Georgia game goes if they review uh, that catch and everything else. Like, who knows if you play that game 100 times, how many times Alabama beats Georgia on a neutral site. Um, who knows? We'll never know. But, like, either way, this was this never felt like you got stomped at home by a um, great college football playoff team in Texas, but it still happened at home. You struggle at USF. You struggle, stomped. You struggle at uh, against Arkansas. Uh, at the, in the middle of the year, a bad Arkansas team. Uh, A&M gave you problems. It wasn't like you were able to walk all over A&M. Tennessee was up double digits at the half on in Tuscaloosa. It took a 28-0 meltdown from Tennessee in the second half to get that win. Like, there's just so many bullet points. It's like, this Alabama team is not the Alabama of old. It's not even like the Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron type tiers, the Blake Sims. They're not that dominant. This is not a dominant group on both sides of the ball. And Jalen Miller is playing better than he did a year ago. But like, I even see him like going into next year. He's a Heisman favorite. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case for Jalen Miller around this Alabama group. And I think they're playing better football now. I think Alabama is one of the four best teams in college football this year, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. They win this game. Like the issue is like Michigan's 74th in passing offense to your point. Michigan, Matt Green, has thrown one touchdown pass against a ranked team this year. One. Like, I just don't know. It doesn't mean they can't. It just means they've played, like you said, a two-game schedule against nothing. So we don't know what they're going to do against a team like Alabama because they really haven't been tested. I mean, Penn State has a better defense in Alabama, I would say, by and large this year. They were uh, elite all across the board. They played really well there. Um, but one touchdown pass since October, Matt Green. They've thrown one touchdown pass since October ended. But they also have the number one scoring defense in college football this year. I just, I go back and forth on this one where I'm like, I don't think either of these two teams are elite, like this dominant force that are just going to run through the playoff. Like people who think if Washington wins the Texas game, they're going to get rolled by whoever wins Michigan. Um, Alabama and I'm like I don't think that's the case I think Washington or Texas is going to give them a big time game and I don't think it's a guarantee that either of these two teams who win win the national I think this is a very very open final four and I think it's a lot more open than a lot of SEC fans think that Alabama it's just a guarantee Bama's winning both these games and the SEC streak is continuing do you agree I I tend to agree with what you're saying like I don't think these are just like like obviously they are elite. Like these are maybe the two best defenses in all of college football. Like these are elite mm. teams. You think but, Bama is I'm, one of the two best defenses in college football? I think Alabama's right up there. I mean, this defense is You think they're better I mean, than Penn State? 
Yeah, I'm taking Alabama over Penn State. Like, I mean, okay. it's a it, Penn State's right there, but they're it, the elite of the elite defenses. You can Are you taking Florida hairs. State? I'm taking Florida State's defense over Alabama. Uh, I don't know about that. I think I think this Alabama defense has been much better than they have the last couple years. And re- regardless, I think they're yeah. up there with the best. And I think it's offensively just neither team is what we're used to seeing a national championship team being. I mean, these are like just pretty average offenses. Mm with really good defenses and I would say elite defenses. So I just, I, it's hard for me to pinpoint, like you're talking about simulations and whatever. I don't feel like you can, like you can have an accurate, uh, a, a quantity you can quantify Jalen Milrow because you look at him and like how well he plays quarterback. And I think he's like an average quarterback. Like, I don't think he's like a great player. He's, maybe the best athlete I've ever seen at the quarterback position next to like Lamar Jackson or like Cam Newton, like just an absolute absurd raw athlete, just ex- insanely explosive. But it's all his little ad lib stuff. Is that really what sets this offense off? Cause you look at that Georgia game and a lot in that Auburn game, like they weren't throwing for a ton of yards. They weren't running for a ton of yards. It was just like, Oh, third and five. Oh, pick up chunk play here and it's like it, they just kind of found ways to win and this team it feels like like i'm not gonna say it's 2009 because obviously he's a different athlete than greg mcelroy and that defense was like statistically just historically great but it feels more like one of those alabama teams that's kind of when they were when you could still argue that they might be overachieving a little bit before they just had first rounders at every single level of their team like it feels like the most overachieving Alabama team we've we've seen under Nick Saban, and that's why I just if it comes down to two physical teams that are going to play the same style, like it's hard to pick against Nick Saban, especially when one's got JJ McCarthy that I'm just still not impressed by after 13 games this season, and Jalen Milrow who's just like the ultimate X factor. Like Jalen Mill could could turn it over twice in their in his own in his own territory. And Michigan could bust this thing open early. Like, I think Jalen Milrow has a lot of boom or bust potential, but I think he's got a lot of that just, you know, take off and and pick up a 50-yard play with his legs and just run around and, and, and find the open man because you just have to be spying him with two guys at all times. So I uh if if I'm going, if I'm gonna trust anyone, McCarthy over Milrow, I do give the nod to Milrow. All right. So where are you going? Where is your pick, Matt Green? I'm going with the Alabama Crimson Tide, 20 mm. to 17. I think this game, like you said, it's going to be low scoring. I think these two defenses are going to show kind of flex for for most of the game, but uh, I think Alabama is just going to find a way to win, like they've kind of done a lot this season. Matt Green, we're going to disagree again. Oh, the SEC shouldn't have been in the playoff to begin with, Matt Green. They shouldn't have got in. Florida State should have had this spot. I think there's a reason they shouldn't have got in because they're really, I mean, this was a flawed conference this year. It was a flawed conference at the top. I still think Georgia was the best SEC team this year. I think if you play Georgia, Alabama, 100 times on neutral site, Georgia wins a lot more than 50% of those games. I think, look, man, Michigan has not been tested to this point. I like their depth. 
I like where they're at scoring defense wise. I don't, I think this is a better matchup. Like TCU gashed them. Like Max Duggan was playing like a Heisman. He played exceptional football against this Michigan defense. I think this kind of like what we saw Texas do against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Michigan can do that. Michigan has the dudes. Michigan has the bodies to play that same kind of style. Oh, they now, do not have the receivers or the quarterback. We don't know. JJ McCarthy hasn't done anything. Like, they don't have to. You just have the two running backs and you have the offensive line. You have the best defense. I think Harbaugh's a smart coach where Harbaugh doesn't. Like, there's a reason there was a drop off with JJ McCarthy when Harbaugh wasn't around. Like, you saw the stats with and without Harbaugh for JJ. JJ's a better quarterback with Harbaugh on the sidelines helping him out. I just. I don't think they're going to lose this game. I think Michigan is going to win this football game, and I think they're going to win it close. I think this is going to be ugly. I think this is going to be low scoring. I think they're going to play keep away. I think this is going to be a ground and pound, very physical ball game. I think Milrow is going to make some mistakes. I think we're going to see that like Milrow is not the Heisman guy. He's not a Bryce Young. He's going to be very mercurial. He's going to throw, do some dumb stuff, and I think it's going to cost them in this game against an elite defense like Michigan's on a neutral site. So, I think this is a good matchup for Michigan because I just don't think the Isaiah Bonds of the world are scared this Michigan secondary all that much. I think they're going to be okay. Like I think this is a good matchup for Michigan. I think people read way too much into them being devastated when they saw Alabama on the screen during the college football playoff selection show. Mm. I think Michigan's going to be okay. Though. That, did, that didn't look great. No. I just think Michigan's going to win this game, and I think Michigan's going to win the national title. So I think Michigan wins here matt green give me michigan 27 alabama 24 put it on the board wow i um it would be very ironic and i don't even want alabama fans to have this like uh, like this this uh i don't know card to play but Mm. the fact that Jim Harbaugh did this uh, Georgia, whatever, like Georgia session of practice, like beating Georgia, made all this thing about beating Georgia. And then you get matched up with Alabama. And if they were to, if they were to beat you, uh, that's just going to look real embarrassing that like, now it's, it's not about beating Georgia. You still got to beat us. They're due, man. They are, uh, they're due because Michigan, they keep getting in there. Haven't won a playoff game yet. They're due, man. And I just feel like this is where it uh, it works out. They do have the experience on their side, and mm-hmm. like back to back playoff appearances, like you can't understate understate how uh, important that is. JJ McCarthy watched the celebration uh, in mm-hmm. the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, yeah. So you know, if you're gonna watch the celebration from the year before, that automatically means you're gonna win the following season. I think that's what it means, at least, uh, unless so. they just don't show it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll it'll be a good game. I, I think like like you were kind of saying, I, I still feel like we weren't wrong in our evaluation of, of Alabama, but the SEC as a whole didn't have enough teams to really expose them. So, you know, I think there's a legitimate chance that Michigan's defense is is better on the line of scrimmage than Georgia. Then and they they give Alabama a lot more a lot harder time moving the ball. Absolutely. All right, Matt Green. Well, there we go. College football playoff. Our next pod will be after uh, the college football playoff uh, going into uh, the national title game the following Monday. But uh, so we'll be back also, this I don't know next if, week. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know, but the playoff games actually count like times 10. Oh, so... that's not. No. 
for the pick them. No. You know, if I win these playoff games, that could really, there's a multiplier effect that could really change up the standings. I just wanted to give you a heads up before, uh, you know, before it happened. Good, uh, good to know, Mac. But yeah, shout out to the, to the Orange Bowl, the Dogs, and uh, Seminoles for the game that no one really wants to watch. But uh, I'll have to watch it myself. You know, you're watching. You're going to be up for it. You're going to be excited. Like, you're going to get up for this game. Yeah, I mean, it won't be until like an hour before kickoff. You're like, okay, my team's about to play. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch and be into it. But it's, it's a hard game to get into for sure. It's a hard game to get into if players aren't opting out because you're just disappointed of not being in the playoff and it just doesn't mean anything. But with the, the, just the ridiculous volume of players that have opted out of, I've like never seen a playoff game with this many guys in the portal or draft. Just, just not gonna play hurt. Like it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, look, here's, uh, here's to it, Matt Green. It's going to be fun. And, uh, I pity your text messages that you're going to get, uh, throughout Monday afternoon as Nico mania runs wild all over the state of Florida, Matt Green. How many, is that Monday? Uh, yeah. It's Notre- Monday. It's really Tennessee, the Iowa. Games. How about Tennessee, mm. Iowa contrasting styles? What's the over under <laughs> on that one? I mean, it. This spread's only gotta be the highest over under. It's gotta be the highest over under in like six weeks for Iowa, or maybe all season. They've been in the twenties like the last four or five weeks. That might be true. Matt Green, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 